Deuteronomy chapter 17. You shall not sacrifice to Yahweh your God an ox or a sheep in which is a defect or anything evil, for that is an abomination to Yahweh your God. If there is found among you within any of your gates which Yahweh your God gives you, a man or a woman who does that which is evil in Yahweh your God's sight in transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, or the sun or the moon or any of the stars of the sky which I have not commanded, and you are told, and you have heard of it, then you shall inquire diligently. Behold, if it is true, and the thing is certain, that such an abomination is done in Israel, then you shall bring out that man or that woman who has done this evil thing to your gates, even that same man or woman, and you shall stone them to death with stones. At the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. At the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. The hands of the witnesses shall be first on him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the peoples. So you shall remove the evil from among you. If there arises a matter too hard for you in judgment between blood and blood, between plea and plea, and between stroke and stroke, being matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go up to the place which Yahweh your God chooses. You shall come to the priests who are Levites, and to the judge who shall be in those days. You shall inquire, and they shall give you the verdict. You shall do according to the decisions of the verdict which they shall give you from that place which Yahweh chooses. You shall observe to do according to all that they shall teach you, according to the decisions of the law which they shall teach you, and according to the judgment which, which they shall tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn away from the sentence which they announce to you to the right hand nor to the left. The man who does presumptuously in not listening to the priest who stands to minister there before Yahweh your God, or to the judge, even that man shall die. You shall put away the evil from Israel. All the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously. When you have come into the land Yahweh your God gives you, and possess it, and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set him who Yahweh your God chooses as king over yourselves. You shall set as king over you one from among your brothers. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he may multiply horses. Because Yahweh has said to you, you shall not go back that way again. He shall not multiply wives to himself, that his heart not turn away. He shall not greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. It shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write himself a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the Levitical priests. It shall be with him and he shall read from it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear Yahweh his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them, that his heart not be lifted up above his brothers, that he not turn away from the commandment to the right hand nor to the left, to the end that he prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the middle of Israel. start of this chapter um, says not to offer blemished sacrifices. It's evil. 
people probably would have done that to save money. And um, you imagine traveling to Israel on pilgrimage, you get there, you gotta buy a sheep and you can get a second rate one for half the price. <laughs> Tempting. Well, the Lord's saying, don't do it. And in our lives, the same. You know, give to the Lord wholeheartedly. Don't hold back. And in the New Testament, there were people, Ananias and Sapphira, who, you know, they, they sold some property and they gave some of the money of the sale, but they were telling everyone they'd given the whole. And that's a little bit like this, offering a blemished offering. It was blemished because they lied about it. They were pretending it was this great offering when it wasn't as great an offering as they made out. Of course, they could have just said, we're only giving a part of it, and that would have been a great offering. <laughs> so these are all things that remind us, and the Lord takes them very seriously. But you've got to translate them into New Testament understanding. We can't, we're not actually sacrificing to the Lord sheep and goats and that, but we still bring sacrifices. Where this chapter gets really interesting is uh, it says, when you come into the land the Lord is giving you, and you say to yourself, let us have a king, it then goes to give instructions about the king. Now, this wasn't God approving of them having a king because the Lord did not want them to have a king. And later on in the book of Samuel, which we'll get to in um, probably later this year, um, it's going to be really clear the Lord does not want them to have a king. But here we've got just predictive prophecy. Moses just knows that they just want to be like the other nations around them and they're going to want a king. And so he's, the Lord is being, um, what do you call it? He's showing foresight here by basically giving them instructions for the time when they decide they want a king, even though the Lord doesn't want them to do this. And so um, we'll talk more about the king part when we get to Samuel. But here, it's interesting, it says, when you have a king, he's got to be a brother. In other words, from the tribe of Israel. And he's not allowed to have many horses. And we think to ourselves, What? Who cares about how many horses they've got? Well, that's what we think. But horses were, you know, a sign of, uh, of something significant back then in ancient times. For starters, horses were a military, you know, military strength. They um, were also technology. People would have horses and chariots. And so part of it was the king wasn't supposed to be so trusting in himself that he wasn't trusting in the Lord. He wasn't supposed to build up this grand army and all these horses to the point where he, his strength was in his own abilities. The king was supposed to maintain his eyes on the Lord. And later on in the Bible, it says, there's a psalm, I think. I didn't look this one up, sorry, but it says that some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. Well, that's for us as New Testament Christians, our trust isn't supposed to be in our money. Our trust isn't supposed to be in our abilities or our strengths or our gifts or what we have or what we've accomplished or our educational knowledge or wisdom, you know, aka horses. Our, our trust is supposed to be in the Lord. So um, it's not to say um, there's anything wrong with having horses, but it's where is your trust placed? Now, having said that, I have noticed as a pastor over the years that horses are something which detract people away from the Lord. There's been people in, in church life that I've known that had did have many horses. And there's something about horses which demand the constant time and attention of people. Somehow more than other things, like you can have a, other types of hobbies, stamp collecting or whatever, 
Now, anything can become all-consuming to the point that it takes your attention away from the Lord, but horses just seems to be one of those things that just take someone's full attention. So maybe that's a word for someone out there. If, you go, if you're into horses, just keep an eye on it and make sure it's not sucking your time away from the Lord. We had a brother in the church that we led to the Lord, Brother Brian. I just love that guy, and he had 13 horses. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he was on a very small wage. And when he became a Christian, pretty much his entire wage went into feeding these horses. And I remember someone in the church said to him, you know, Brian, you should be a tither. And he goes, tithing? I can't afford to tithe. <laughs> I've got to feed my horses. And, um, and anyway, he decided, God bless his heart, that he was going to tithe and trust the Lord, that the Lord was going to feed him and his horses. And his tithe, I think, was $25. I mean, his his money wasn't, he only earned $250 a week and it all went to feeding these horses. And after one week, he said, you know what? He says, I tithed and I've still fed my horses and I don't know how. <laughs> well, that's the miracle of tithing right there. Well, he ended up um, seeing that the Lord was more important than his horses and he ended up selling them all. God bless him. That's what the Lord called him to do. I'm not saying that's a word for everyone. But interestingly, we get to some of the later kings of Israel, and particularly we get to King Solomon. Solomon had a lot of horses. Now, Solomon was a wise man, but despite being the wisest man and writing the book of Proverbs, which is a fabulous part of the Bible, Solomon's wisdom didn't protect him. Like He, he disobeyed the Lord. He knew the law, but even though he knew that he was not to accumulate horses, he did. But the next part says that you should not, kings should not accumulate wives. Boy, did Solomon accumulate wives, 300 wives and 700 concubines. You know, effectively he had 1,000 women in his life. This is Solomon's own words, I quote right here from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Solomon says, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Um, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, it was all meaningless, chasing the wind. So he didn't deny himself any desire. If he saw a woman that he liked, he took, it, took her as a wife. Well, for someone so wise, he sure turned to foolishness. And um, if we think we're wise... We've got to be doubly careful because we don't know half of what Solomon knew. The and so, you know, this warning was there for kings, but the kings didn't follow it. And Solomon, as great as he was, he didn't follow it either. And finally, at the end of chapter 17, it says that the copy of this book of the law, which is, you know, Genesis through to Deuteronomy, but in particular, the book of Deuteronomy, it was supposed to be written out. Every king who sat on the throne was supposed to write out their own copy of the books and then read them all the days of their life. And then that was supposed to help them. Well, I bet you they didn't do it. We know they didn't because King Josiah, not only did the king not follow the Lord, but King Josiah, they found a copy of the book of the law in the, in the temple and he was aghast when he read it. So he obviously hadn't written out a copy when he became the king and he didn't even have a copy. When they found a copy, he was horrified at reading what was in here because he could see that the Israelites had not been following the Lord their God. And so we know they didn't do that. We all know that out of all the kings of Israel, there was not a single good one. And out of all the kings of Judah, there were only seven that followed the Lord. So the statistics are terrible. Well, 
you and I, we need to take some advice out of this. We need to not put our trust in horses. We not need to not go after women. You know, Find your wife, and if you're a woman, find the husband the Lord gives to you and marry them and be faithful. But don't let your heart be drawn after these things outside of your marriage. And then don't put your trust in worldliness, in your own achievements. Don't accumulate, uh, don't let love of money be, and greed be a thing. And finally, get a copy of the book of the Lord. Now for us, it's the whole Bible, which includes the first five books, and read it and meditate on it all the days of your life. Pastors are always telling their people to pray and read their Bible. Well, here we've got it in Deuteronomy 17. Read these words all the days of your life. If you do that with a heart for the Lord, then you, you probably will not go off the rails like the kings of Israel and Judah did. Heavenly Father, help us to take the advice that the kings of Israel did not take, that King Solomon did not take. Help us, Lord, to follow you. Help us to take a copy of the Word of God and to read it and meditate on it all the days of our lives. Lord, let us have grace for these things.